As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder. I'm here with Zach Kiefer, and we're back for another episode of 1% Better. And man, i tell you, time flies, man. We, a lot can happen in a week around here, apparently. Um, since we last talked to you, I think we did maybe two last week because we had a bunch of news, but uh, we've had news this week. We've got the news extensions. Has not <laughs> we've got contract extensions, right? We've got uh, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard getting extensions through 2026. Uh, and by the time practice was over, we weren't even talking about that anymore because there was other stuff to talk about. So um, anyway, I think, Zach, let's let's just jump right into this. Uh, we have had, I think, a, some really revealing stuff here in terms of training camp in the past week to two weeks. And none more than, I thought, Thursday, the first of two days, of joint practices with the Carolina Panthers. And I'm going to start by saying this, and I'll let you tell me whether you agree. I actually feel uh, that this team, watching that practice yesterday, I felt much better about this team. Like, I I watched that and came away thinking, huh, that looked pretty good (laughs) under the circumstances with the injuries. Agree? Am I crazy or not? No, you're not. And believe me, we would tell you. Like, we would tell you if they – sucked it up yesterday against the Panthers. That was not the case. And I want to throw a couple things out, and I want to see what you think. But I spent the day basically watching the quarterbacks, Ellinger and Eason. You know, they're splitting the first team reps. And at the end of that red zone period, at the end of practice, Ellinger had gone against the Panthers' first team defense. He'd thrown two touchdowns and almost threw a third and, and really looked in control. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but it started to hit me like, maybe this is possible. And by that, I mean maybe he does end up unseating Jacob Eason for whatever the backup job entails, whether that entails a start or two, whatever. We'll get into Carson Wentz in a minute, but I would just encourage the fans that are out there at Westfield, uh, I want to know what you guys think because the offense moves with Ellinger. It moves down the field. He finds open guys. He throws more decisively and quicker, and by that I mean, you know, Eason just sits back there and then gets sacked, and... And Ellinger has an ability to scramble, yes, but he also seems to see the offense a little bit quicker. 
And and Eason I thought was better yesterday, and I do think he's getting better as well. He made some nice throws. He had a bomb to, to Michael Pittman that was dropped in the end zone that was just a perfectly placed ball. So I think it's fair to say both quarterbacks are getting better. I also think it's fair to say that Ellinger is climbing and at the very least has made this a competition. But, you know, I didn't get to watch the Colts defense much yesterday, but I don't worry about that group all that much. They've been on fire since camp started, even without DeForest Buckner yesterday. I mean, that defensive line, it sounds like, just absolutely had their way. And you don't worry about Leonard and Okariki. Okariki's been stand, just a standout the whole camp. So uh, we'll see if they can back it up today, and we'll see what it looks like on Sunday. But the main takeaway for me yesterday was the quarterbacks looked like they could hang in there a little bit, and considering these are guys are both, you know, in my mind, rookies. Right. So, and, you know, in staying broad before we get too specific, I, I wanted to – uh, say well, first of all, like I don't think Carolina is going to be that good. Like I think they're, you know, they have some talent. Don't get me wrong. I like their receivers. Uh, they've got obviously Christian McCaffrey is amazing, but uh, they've been very bad with K- Christian McCaffrey on their team before. So uh, the, the quarterback is eh, not impressed. <laughs> Sam Darnold, but um, so look, I don't know how good Carolina is. Okay, look, I have no idea. I don't think they're going to be particularly. A great team this year, but but it's kind of like you know playing what's on the schedule, right? I mean, you can't. You all you can do is beat these teams if you play them, right? And so I think that's kind of what how I saw yesterday. Now, you know, Carolina was down. You talked about the defense, right? Carolina was down a couple offensive linemen as well. Uh, their offensive line is struggling, and so what I think what you saw from the Colts is exactly what they should have done, which is just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> I mean, that's what you should have done. And they did. They really did. They dominated up front. I really, They really, really did without DeForest Buckner and without Quiddy Pay, who's got an ankle issue he's dealing with. And, you know, we can touch on injuries in a, in a little bit. But, I mean, that's it's pretty impressive, man. It's pretty impressive. I mean, Grover Stewart, uh, guys like guys who, you, who don't talk about every day, like Antoine Woods, uh, who's – a pickup from the Cowboys who is really making that nose tackle job uh, and that interior lineup really interesting. So I, I gotta tell you, man, like their str- where their strengths are showing up and that's what you want. You want your strengths to really show up and, and that's how you win. You win with your best talent doing the job it's supposed to do, man. So uh, are you buying you into the, uh, on that note, you talked about how good they looked in a lot of different areas you know, when Wentz went down, they didn't panic. We talked to Ursay yesterday, and he said, look, we're not looking to make a trade right now. We like the young guys. We know they have a ways to go. We feel confident with Frank in that position, mentoring these young quarterbacks. We have a great run game and a great defense. Do you feel like that is the right move? Like, do you feel like, are you starting to buy into their thinking where we're not going to go make a panic move, we're not going to make a trade? We believe, even though these quarterbacks probably are not going to be perfect, that we can make this work. I felt like yesterday we saw a version of that. And I know it's just a practice, but we saw a version of their strengths, the quarterbacks playing good enough, and that could be workable. And I'm talking like a one or two game stretch, but it feels like that's not a crazy thought to me right now. Yeah, okay. I and it might've been a week ago when I was watching these quarterbacks just, just look terrible in practice. Right, so I think, I think, more than one thing can be true. And and so 
what I will say is this. Look, I'm the guy who wrote this week that, you know what, I don't think either of these quarterbacks put them in a winning position. And that, that's probably at least partially true still, no matter how well it went right. yesterday, because they are going to screw up. You know, they're going to see things they haven't seen. Right. Right. They're going to see things they haven't seen. They're going to screw up. It's going to happen. That's And that's fine. Like, it's not an indictment. They're kids. <laughs> okay? It's supposed to happen. However, I also have felt strongly all throughout this that rushing to make a deal at quarterback was probably not necessary. Let this play out a little bit. They have time. Use that time. And it's, I've, I have felt that way. You know, for really the entire, uh, the entire entirety, excuse me, of this situation. You know, since Carson got hurt, and like you don't have to make a trade the next day. Uh, let this play out a little bit, and let's see. At least you'll know what you have because it's not like this is the last time you're going to have to have a backup quarterback in the picture. I mean, is is Carson Wentz never going to turn an ankle ever again, and and actually have to? You may have to consider playing a backup. Is a backup never going to have to come off the bench? Maybe. Um, you know, concussions, who knows, right? Things happen. So, so there is some value in knowing what you're dealing with. So I've always felt from the start, like, okay, there's not, it's not a bad thing to find out. And I think the benefit of that is, you know, you can learn more over the course of time. And there's no question time has been beneficial to them. I think in terms of learning what they have. And I agree with you. I think over time, I'm feeling better about these quarterbacks. I still it still would scare the hell out of me for one of them to start if I was yeah, the, yeah. if I was the Colts. <laughs> and that's okay. But do I think it's impossible? No. Do, do I think it's impossible for them to pull it off? No, I, I really don't. I I see two young guys right now who are, I think, pushing each other. And I love that. You know, if you're Frank Reich, I think he has played this perfectly, which is to insert Sam Ellinger into this competition. He is a competitor of the highest order. Okay. We know that about Sam Ellinger. And so it makes Jacob Eason have to step up. It makes Sam Ellinger hungrier. And I just think you're getting the best out of both of these guys. I think it's, this is exactly the way you would hope it, it would have went. And it's gone exactly the way I think they ideally hope. This was like the best case scenario. That these guys got the best out of each other. And that's happening. I think it's a really good, and we, we overlooked this, I think it's a really good experience for Jacob Eason. And I think you're going to see the byproduct of that down the line. I don't know when that happens. I don't know if it's this year, if it's week one, if it's week 15. I don't know what it is, if it's if it's two years down the line. But these reps against a very, very good Colts defense, the preseason reps, being pushed by Ellinger, being coached hard by Reich, having, the, in a sense, the fate of the franchise on his shoulders for the time being. All of that, all of that matters. And he didn't get any of it last year, and he's getting all of it right now. And that's good for a young quarterback if he's able to handle that. We've seen this happen a million times in the league where they're just not ready. We're going to find out a little bit more about Jacob Eason. And Frank Reich has been, you know, he's been adamant about this. Like, he he comes in early. He's asking questions. He, he wants to know how the offense works for him. Um, the returns have been good in terms of how Eason is handling this. I think he's getting better day by day. He needs to be quicker with his reads. But um, I think, you know, the end game, I think you're right. I think Reich is playing this really well. And the fact that Eason is being pushed by this kid who couldn't be more different than him on the field, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for those of you that have come out to Westfield and watched, like these are two totally different quarterbacks with totally different skill sets. 
It's been fun to watch, and I think you're right. They're going to push each other, and it's only going to get more fascinating as we get into the games and the real crunch of training camp as we get closer to the regular season. Yeah, and you know, I, I whether it's coincidence, I don't know, but I I have noted that <laughs> just in observing, I really believe Jacob Beeson since Sam Ellinger really started working with the first team. It seems to me, I think Jacob Beeson has has stepped up more and more each day. And whether those two things are linked, I am not going to say because I, I think time on task matters, right? He's he's getting more comfortable, more you know opportunity, figuring it out, more film to evaluate. All of those things matter, right? So it, it's not just like, oh, oh, here comes Sam. I better step up. But <laughs> also, here comes Sam. <laughs> okay? Sam's put himself in the conversation. It's a conversation. There's no, no doubt. question. They wouldn't be I giving thought, him first team reps if it wasn't. I thought you said something uh, to me yesterday, just as us in discourse, that I thought was very notable. And I thought about it on my drive home last night. I was like, you know what? Damn, he's right. You said <laughs> this is very rare. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I don't give many compliments. Zach's never right. No, I'm kidding. But um, you said and this was an observation after Jim Mercy talked to us yesterday and put Sam Ellinger in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> because because Jim Ursay, you might know this, he is slightly prone to hyperbole. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I don't know. But, you know, for example, oh, we want to win two or three Super Bowls in a row. Ah, no problem. So anyway, yesterday, uh, he was he was asked about Jacob Eason and or asked about both young quarterbacks. And he said, you know, Jacob Eason is doing a good job. He's he's really stepping up. And then he went on to talk about Sam Ellinger and it was like he gave us basically the, the Tom Brady speech, right? You know, we've seen other guys drafted late and then look, they do amazing things. They said Joe Montana was too small. Like, dude, all right. <laughs> I love the passion, okay? But he's, he's the biggest Colts fan there point. ever was. You know, <laughs> he really like, is. you gotta love it, right? But you gotta the love it. telling thing is this is not the first guy to say that. When you ask Marcus Brady or Frank or the Colts receivers about each of the quarterbacks, they usually say, Jacob's got a great arm. He's got a yep. lot of talent. And he does. And then they just spill the praise on Ellinger and his gamesmanship and his creativity and his command of the offense. It is a little telling, I think, the way they describe each of the quarterbacks. I mean, in Ursay. Comparing him to Brady and Montana, let's throw that out the window because we know where it's coming from. But, And I think that matters. I think what the receivers say, I think that matters. Mm -hmm. And I think what the offensive coordinator and what the head coach says matters. And I think we'll get a really good indication on Sunday of where these guys are in terms of commanding Frank Reich's scheme. And the last thing I'll say on the quarterbacks before we have lots of other stuff we can talk about. But the last thing on the quarterbacks, I would say, is that to your point, I really think the reason Ellinger inspires a lot of those, you know, comments and takes is just it's because of the way he plays. I mean, it's cliche, but like he he really is like that plucky guy who is like, man, how does he do that? Right. And I I just think there's something to that. Um, this is hyperbolic, too. And I shouldn't say this, but uh, it's a I always use these basketball analogies. It's like I heard I heard um, Steph Curry talk about this. And he's like, you know. Was asked, hey, why, you know, why do people relate to you so well, or why, why, do, why do you think you became such a big, you know, fan favorite? And he's like, well, because I'm just a shooter, and like everybody can shoot theoretically, you know. 
And and you look at him, he's like, all right, he's six three, he's skinny, you know, he can't jump very high, you know. Yeah. How does he do that, right? And I don't know. If this is a perfect analogy, but I I think there's a little bit of that with Sam Ellinger. He, clearly, he's not Steph Curry. You know, he's not a football version of Steph Curry. I am not suggesting that. I'm just saying I think there's something about him that look, he's not that big arm prospect that you know, is up there on the stage at the NFL draft, that prototypical quarterback. He's not. He's just not. And I, and I think the fact that he's able to get a lot out of his skill set, I, I think that resonates with people. I just do. I think that does. And so and and it gives his his athletic ability really is a factor here, too. He He really is the play calling you can see is different when he's in there versus Eason. They're calling different plays. I think in in many cases they're rolling him out, they're moving the pocket, and they're letting him throw on the run. I think he's really good throwing on the run. In fact, he is. Yeah, and, and he's he's so, good at finding open receivers. And Frank probably mm-hmm. put this best. He said he's just got a good way of making football look simple. And it's a complicated game, but some of the best quarterbacks do that, right? They just are in control and they make it look simple. And, and, and Ellinger hasn't been perfect. He made a terrible throw in an out route yesterday that is just like, oh my God, an NFL quarterback should not be able, should not be making those terrible throws. But right. he he does make the offense kind of smoother and kind of simpler. And he just finds his read and he hits it. And Easton's been a little tentative at times. So um, it's going to be fun to play out, but it, it's really, really different skill sets. And it's been fun to watch what works and what doesn't. But another good day today against the Panthers' first-team defense. Um, we'll see if they can back it up because I thought they had really good days yesterday. Yeah, I'll say this. The last thing, I, I just think that this has been a fun training camp, which I don't always say. <laughs> yeah. Because we're in the dog days now. Right? We're in like full two and a half weeks in. This is when, as the reporter, you're starting to be like, all right, I've seen enough. Let's let's do something else, <laughs> you know. Uh, but this has been interesting. It's a you know, it's a, it's a boxing match a little bit. I, I, it's been fun. So uh, the games will be the next step. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply uh so let's let's touch on 
the actual starting quarterback real quick here. Uh, Carson Wentz, look, there was a little bit of, mm, maybe is confusion the right word, um, I guess, this week? Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's just say this. So, so Chris Mortensen from ESPN reported, and I've known Chris Mortensen for, you know, 15 years. The guy is, you know, unbelievable professional. I'm not questioning his reporting. I'm just going to tell you, he reported that Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are trending uh, toward playing in week one. The Colts feel really good that they're going to play week one. Uh, so, of course, our editors asked us about this. What's going on? You know, What do we know? The answer is we don't know anything because the Colts don't know. Neither do the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they've told us from day one, and I thought they, they did a good job, at least after the fact, of being very clear about what to expect. And that was important, right? Because people are going to say, hey, what's what's happening? What's happening? Well, they were very clear. Two weeks into the rehab, or excuse me, yeah, two weeks into the rehab, they'll start actually doing really physical, or the recovery, I should say. They'll start doing rehab. We're not at the two-week mark yet for either guy, and we certainly weren't a, a few days ago. Um, I don't think that they're doing very much because it's got to heal completely before they do the rehab. So, you know, whoever, whatever source told him that, that's fine. I have no doubt that he was told that. That's not the question. The question is whether what the source said was really appropriate uh, because it just doesn't square with what we've been told. And Jim Mersey, you wrote about this. I mean, Jim Mersey talked about this yesterday. And your take was what? Basically what we've been told from others, right? They don't know. Mersey right. said that. If And I promise you that Ballard and Wright, they do not know at this particular moment if he'll be back for week one. There's no way to know. It doesn't really matter until he gets into the rehab portion, which will start next week, to see how the tissue sort of responds. And Ursa had a conversation with Wentz recently where he said, look, Carson, we got you for four years. Like, you're not going to rush this back. We're not going to play you until you're 100%. So they're not going to – look, I mean, you were here in 17. I was here in 17 when they did this with Luck. In 16 when they played him on the injured shoulder and – 19 when the you know fans right. don't need a re recap of that but this team has had a bad history of rushing quarterbacks back before they're ready and they learned the hardest lesson you can probably learn in that regard they're not going to do the same thing with Wentz now this isn't as severe an injury he's been on the practice field walking around with no cast no boot no nothing but he hasn't started his rehab so they don't know when he'll be ready and Jermis they also made another thing pretty clear yesterday I thought that the plan is to roll with Ellinger or Eason. Well, they don't know who, but if Carson is not ready for Seattle on September 12th, which is a month from yesterday, you know, they're not looking to make a trade right now. We'll see what happens if one of these, you know, if these guys just tank and they don't have an answer they feel is good enough, they'll make a move maybe. Sure. If if Carson's not going to be back for 6 weeks or whatever, they'll they'll consider it. But as of right now, the plan is not to make a trade. It's to roll with one of the young guys and they're not going to rush Carson back and that was pretty clear from what Ursay said yesterday. So, you know, maybe they're learning from past mistakes, but um, this goes back to Ballard. I mean, what is, he doesn't panic. He doesn't panic in these situations for right or wrong. He's not going to overreact to things. And I know that he is giddy about this team right now, even with Nelson down and Kelly down and Buckner down and Wentz down. He's loved what he's seen from the young players and I think he likes what he sees from this defense because this defense could be really good. So um, they're just gonna they're just gonna wait and see. But as of Carson Wentz, um, 
you can't know anything right now. And I'm being honest. Yeah. And I think there's also another point to make. They can, they can not know, but also be optimistic. Like, yeah. legitimately optimistic and i think they are and, and not and I just think the optimistic. fact that he's out there is a it's a good sign but let's not yeah. overdo it sure of course right it's not it's not just that he's out there they they have more information than we do right like they've talked to the doctors and know what they found and and we even got some of this feedback right when they went in and did the procedure on carson Wentz, uh they it, it was exactly what they hoped to find and there wasn't any additional damage and and additional complications so that streamlines, you know, how much the doctors have to dig in there. Look, I didn't go to medical school, but I mean, it's pretty clear, right? The, the more damage there is, the more cleanup you have to do. Yeah, right? it would have been really bad if there was another bone fragment that they had found from a junior <laughs> like, high industry. Gee, look at this. I mean, that would have been another couple of weeks. Of, I mean, goodness gracious. The, the unluckiness this team has suffered through with the developmental anomaly from Quentin Nelson. <laughs> And the, the random high school injury that creeps up on his second day in a Colts uniform for oh Wentz. That's just bizarre. Only the Colts. Only the Colts. And us. Yeah. Us. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I think they can be optimistic and, you know, legitimately optimistic based on what they know. But also admit, look, this has to play out. Okay? I mean, everybody's body responds differently, so... Uh, we will see. So let's let that play out. Um, all right. So there's been lots of interesting performances out there, I think. Um, a couple guys I, I just wanted to hit on. Uh, th- this is this guy is probably we're probably talking too much about him because I don't think he's going to necessarily be, you know, a, a, a leading player in the offense. But I don't think there's a better story in this camp than Michael Strong at wide receiver. I'm with you. Every day, I mean, the quarterback. Every day you see it. Yes, the quarterbacks are, are a huge story. No, no question. But like, this team had very experienced wide receivers, and they have they have some depth at receiver. Actually, this guy is right in the freaking mix as a seventh round pick yeah. from a Division two school. I mean, people have asked me, doesn't is, is, back is, down. Is he making the team? And I'm like, yeah, like You're damn right. <laughs> there's no there's no discussion really. I mean, you would agree, right? I mean, he would have to literally. Go out in the preseason and and you know just ball up in a fetal position to not make the team. <laughs> I mean, like you know, you can never say never. You know, I remember Deron Carter had yeah. that great camp, but the preseason for him was abysmal, like abysmal. He didn't deserve it. Yeah, I don't think this kid's gonna back down. Like I don't, I don't see no, that he's... happening. And 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 look, I get it. I get the the caution out there. Like you guys talked up Deion Kane. He had a great camp that one year. And you guys talked right. up, you know, Reese Fountain. I don't know if that was, you know, as much, but I think Reese Fountain talked up Reese Fountain, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'll he's just a good tell kid. You, he's a good kid. I love kid. Kid makes a play every day, whether it's first team or second team or third team. I mean, he really worked over J.C. Horn yesterday, the Panthers' eighth overall pick in last year's draft. And Stunning. look, this has been continual with Strong. I mean, I remember hearing early on after rookie minicamp, like. We might have found something with this kid. And you look at him, and he's he's built like Megatron. I mean, he's not quite Megatron, but he's got size that stands out. They like that. They've been wanting that in their receivers. Look at Michael Pittman, right? They've been drafting these big-bodied tight ends. Paris Campbell is not a small dude either. And they're trying to get to that prototype, right, where they have these big guys that are easy to throw to. And and Strong's got great hands. And he, he runs the wrong route every once in a while, and 
he doesn't know the offense cold yet, but um, a raw prospect who just jumps off the tape. He's just fun to watch. And as of right now, I told you this yesterday, and I'm going to stick with it. He's not just playing this season. He's going to catch passes. Like, I believe that. He's, he's been that good. Well, I, I think that, you know, he'll have to, he'll have to like, fine-tune his game. Right? And that's going to be continual. We'll see what happens over the course of the season. But I think that depending on his growth, if it continues, they'll try to find a role for him. I mean, they did this last year with guys like, you know, DeMichael Harris, for example, uh, he was able to step in and play at times. You know, a guy who kind of came out of nowhere, I think, was a – he was an undrafted free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Or yeah, had a small part of the playbook, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this guy is much further along than, than a guy like that was at this time last year. So, it'll be interesting. I mean, I th- again, they've got a top four that I think – I wrote this la- this week, earlier this week, that I, I think their top four is – is like grossly underrated. I think T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, in whatever order, I don't care. T.Y. Hil- T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, who's been great, by the way. Yeah. And then uh, Zach Pascal. Like, that is an underrated top four. Like, there's no there's no Julio Jones in there. I get that. And, and that's kind of why people downrate this group, I think, from the outside. However, I can't – go find me a number four receiver in the NFL better than Zach Pascal. <laughs> like go if find it one. it's i've been saying this all off season and i get it like if this team stays healthy if the receivers stay healthy it's a really good group there's, there's no alpha dog like you said right but if zach pascal is your number four that's heaven for frank reich and if strong can come in and get get a couple snaps and make a couple plays that's that's your fifth and you've got naheem who's basically a receiver mm-hmm. running back hybrid Raheem naheem's been catching deep balls in practice so that is that is a heaven for Frank Reich and what he can do with this offense because he trusts each of those guys. They can do different things, and and we haven't talked enough about Michael Pittman, who you know maybe had a drop or two yesterday, but has let's probably been the best player on offense. I mean, let's just let's do that. Yeah, he's been pissed off like all camp, and he's been playing like it. And I feel like I'm seeing him take the next step. Like sometimes you get into the season and you'll be like, well, he just played great all training camp, and you just knew it was coming. I feel like we're seeing that with Michael Pittman. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought last year. So, so Pittman is uh, is interesting because, you know, he he first of all, he's the son of a, a veteran NFL player. I think he came in understanding like he's a guy who can read the room because he's smart and he knows he's been around the league. And so, as a rookie, you know, you're supposed to be seen and not heard, right? And so he kind of blended in. Uh, I remember wanting to do a story on his YouTube channel, which is, you know, very widely viewed. And it's kind of, you know, funny him and his wife do those funny videos. I wanted to do a story about it. And I talked to the publicist from his agency and she was like, I like the idea. Let me, let me talk to him about it. And you know what? He said, no, he didn't want to do it. (laughs) And in retrospect, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Good call. I get it. He, he kind of wanted to like lay low. And so now I think you're saying a guy who do you watch him during practice? If you notice, like he is, he's vocal, he is demonstrative, he is just he's a different guy, and I think that tells you it's not just what he's doing on the field. I think it's there's a confidence there, and he's like, all right, I got this. You know, like you can tell, you can see it, and that is contagious. Okay, you need that. I think. You're seeing that on defense right now with Darius Leonard. Now, he he's probably not quite at a point where he's going to make every play, although he's making enough because he's only been back a few days. But there is something that he just kind of 
he just flips a switch with everybody else when he walks out there because of his energy is contagious. Was Michael it Pittman uh, is a little bit like that? Yeah, I, and it's been it's been very different from his first year. And and wasn't there a was it early in Darius, Darius's first or second day with JJ the the new Colts reporter? Didn't he turn to you and say, "Is he always like this?" Darius <laughs> screaming in practice, and, I, and you were just like, "Yes." Like, you got to watch this. If you're a Colts fan, you can make it up to Westfield. Just, like, watch 53 where they're stretching. Just watch him when the individual drills. He's talking smack to Okariki or Zaire. I mean, it's just – it's not a, it's not an act. He does this in December when it's in the indoor facility, and, and we're the only ones in the building. I mean, he just right. loves football. And if you thought this dude was going to coast on the fact that he's now the highest-paid linebacker and he got his money, um, that's not the case. He is the same Darius – and with Okariki, I wouldn't be stunned if they form one of the top linebacker combos in the league the next couple of years. They're that yeah. good. And in terms of big play potential, I think they're right up there. Totally agree. You know, and one last thing on Darius just kind of being really vocal and animated. You know, you, you see those NFL films things all the time where guys are mic'd up. And there is no question, like, guys are a little extra when they're mic'd up. Right. They yeah. they kind of like, you know, take it up a notch and they play they to the camera. They try to fight Jeff Saturday on Monday Night Football like Peyton did. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, the king of like knowing the cameras on him. Right. OK. <laughs> the king of it. But uh, Peyton, that is. But with Darius, the funny thing about it is like, I don't think it matters. Like he's the same guy. There's no question. Like if you put a mic on him, it wouldn't matter because he's like, I'm just do what I always do. If you <laughs> watched so, it and it mic'd up with him for an entire game afterward, you would be exhausted from just be. watching him and all the energy he has. I mean, it's unbelievable. I, and I think being his opponent must be exhausting. Okay. There's no question. So I, I just, you know, I think that's. I think that's good for this defense. You know, they're a young, energetic defense that thrives on hustle and and really just aggressiveness. I mean, that is what you need. I mean, I talked to a couple of guys yesterday, and you know, we talked about just the way they practice because when they when they go up against another team, they start to see the contrast between how they practice and how other teams practice, and. I'm not saying the Colts have it all figured out, but but there is definitely a difference. Like their tempo is different. Their uh, the way they finish plays, particularly on defense, is definitely different. You know, they're raking at the ball. This is why you had all those fights a couple of years ago in the joint practices with the Browns because the Colts are playing to the whistle. And the Browns are like, hey man, it's practice. And the Colts are like, don't give a shit. <laughs> so I, I think there's there's something to that. That energy and all that stuff that carries over to Sunday, and uh, I, I love that. So. It's not a bad thing in my mind. Um, so st- sticking with defense, uh, I know you didn't see the defense y- yesterday, but overall, um, I mean, how far away do we think this defense is from being elite? I I don't I can't make that assertion based on training camp, right? That's that's stupid. But I think we saw enough last year. Uh, I don't think they finished as strong as they could have. So I wouldn't say they were elite last year. I think they were a very good defense that was not elite. What's the difference? Like, how do they get there? Because I I think we're seeing that they're really good. The question is going to be, can they be elite? And that's that's the bar, I think, this year. Do they meet that bar, and how do they get there? I got one hang-up with the defense, but I'm buying everything you're saying. My Mm hang-up is the pass rush. And and I, I think they've quietly sort of answered it in camp. 
But the only question I have is, is Quiddy Pay's ankle. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be super long until he's back. But it could be a week or two with a sprain. Yeah. Um, but a guy I'm writing about next week who's been really good and looks like himself again is Kamoko Toure. And people forget how, how good he was to start 19 and the 19th season before he got hurt in Kansas City. And, and Taekwon has played well. And if they can cobble together an adequate pass rush to get to where they were last year, because it's going to be hard to replace Autry in, in, in Houston in that department, then I think they can take the next step. Then I think they can join the elites. Because I think it kind of burns them a little bit that they didn't finish off better. Remember, right. we had DeForest talking about it and Kenny talking about it. Like, we were elite for like four or five games. Remember, they were mm-hmm. ranked number one in a bunch of categories. They didn't finish elite, and I think that bothers them. And they have not been shy about talking about 40 turnovers. And, you know, that's talking about, like, NFL record stuff, like 40 takeaways. They probably don't get there. But if they get close, that says something. And if the pass rush can get there, this could be a special unit. This could be one of the best defenses in football. They've had that swagger all camp. And I know who they're playing against, and I know they're not facing Quentin and Ryan Kelly and Costanzo or Fisher at left tackle, and I know they're not playing against an elite quarterback either. But, I mean, there are days when the offense can't move the ball. I mean, they, they're just all over. The, there's receivers aren't open. There's no lanes to run through. Um, you like the back end with Blackman and Willis. The linebackers have been everywhere, and the defensive line has been dominant. So I feel like the pieces are there. If this defense is dominant six weeks in, remember I told you on August 13th that I was I was predicting it. Yeah, I think the, the pass rush for me is, or the the assessment, I guess, of the pass rush is it's kind of like what I said yes or earlier, excuse me, with uh, the joint practice. Look, they they went in and they dominated Carolina up front. Now the same kind of applies with the Colts' current offensive line, which is not their offensive line, right? They're missing three starters, and I mean it is what it is, but it looks bad. It looks it look there. It looks like you would hope it would look with them missing three starters, which means the defense, that defensive line is absolutely exploiting that. And again, if they were, if it were a little more of a, you know, a fair fight, like if there were, if there were a few more draws going on, I might feel concerned, but we're not seeing that we're seeing consistent wins for the defense and that's the way it should be. So I I guess what I'm saying is if you're consistently winning, uh, against inferior players and, and like and consistently winning big, that tells me, all right, maybe these guys, you know, can hold their own against uh, the legit offensive lines that they're going to face. So at least that's my theory. So we'll see. But I, I, I do think one thing that, that gives me some, I guess, eh, reason to believe is we're seeing it from different guys. You know, it's not just one or two guys. It's all. It's everybody getting in on the act. Uh, I don't care who Ben Banigou was going up against last training camp. He just didn't flash, and he wasn't going against first team talent last year. And he didn't flash against backups last year. This year, he's winning every matchup. You know, it feels he, like he's winning a, against everybody. It feels like there's a collective buy-in on defense. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you feel that? Like it feels like mm-hmm. when they talk about it, there's like a. It's not a point of pride necessarily, but it's like a, there's like an emphasis. Like they've talked about what they want to do on defense. They've talked about that. Like no they said on day one, and they've continued to say it. Like we want to be elite. We're going to do that. Watch. And I right. feel like everybody's on the same page, and they know the pieces they have. 
And they also know that you're not always going to have it all set up like this, like contracts and trades and, and free agency. Like it's just hard to get a group to, to really grow together like this team has. you got Buckner. you got Darius coming into his fourth year. Okariki coming into his third. Willis going into his third. I could go on and on. You know, Grover got paid last year. But, like, it's hard to keep this nucleus together for any team. And the fact that they've done that for the most part, I think the guys recognize that. And they also recognize that they're right on the cusp of becoming a great defense. And I feel like this is the year they're ready to do it. And not to mention, you've kept Matt Eberflus, who's had head coaching interviews every year the past three years. So mm-hmm. the fact that they've kept their coordinator is also not lost on them. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's okay to buy the defense. And, you know, we'll see what Sunday looks like. And I don't think a ton of those frontline players are going to play a lot. But but whatever. You know, the, the preseason will give us some flavor. But I, I think it's okay. I think it's, you know, I know people don't like getting their hearts broken. <laughs> but I'll just tell you, I, I think what we're seeing is probably legit. I think what we're seeing is legit. So I, Yeah, I'm buying, I'm buying the defense. I, yeah. I can trust I can trust that. You know, I feel good about that line, and yeah, I, I, I don't think there's, and I don't think there's much worry on that side of the ball right now. Right, and and with the with the offensive injuries, honestly, their meal ticket early on has to be on defense, and I think that's that's why it's good that there's stability over there. Like, no one's losing sleep at night worrying about that defense. Uh, the question is going to be, you know, can they? hold their own to an extent that, you know, they can allow the offense to get its act together and get people back. That's going to be the question. That's a tall order, but I think it gives them a shot. I think it gives them a legitimate shot. They're going to have to win ugly maybe early, but with this defense, you know, that's perhaps possible. So we'll see. Um, So let's close it out here. Um, What are you... What are you kind of hoping to see in this this preseason game? I don't think we're going to get like final answers, you know, on things like the quarterback, obviously. But uh, is there something that you kind of want to see uh, based on or coming out of this this first preseason game? Yeah, I want to see more decisiveness from Jacob Eason in the pocket. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see the tuck down throws or the hesitation. Um, I want to see him make a read and throw it. Uh, I want to see if. You know, Rocky Sin can step up. We haven't had a great camp from him so far, and I don't really know where that third cornerback spot is at the moment. Um, Rogers in there, Tell is in there, Yasin's in there. That's Carey. kind of the problem. Man. None of those guys have been great. They've all been just eh. Yeah. Not, nobody's been bad. They just haven't been special. There's nothing special happening there. So that's something to watch for sure. And I think it, it for a cornerback it changes when you get into. To real games, and I know these are preseason mm-hmm. games, but for these guys, this is how this this, this job's going to be decided. So, and and you know, we're not going to see a lot of Taylor. We're not going to see a lot of Pittman. I would like to see my, Paris Campbell, you know, get some catches and get out early and, and take a seat on the sideline. But um, talked to him yesterday. He wants to play. This guy needs to stack yeah. games together. He's been really good in camp. The best news is he hasn't had a single day where he's missed because of injury. Um, you know, objectivity aside pulling for that kid because of what he's been through and just how unlucky his first couple of years have been. So we'd love to see him get some catches and get off to the field, you know, get off the field. So yeah. um, what about you? Yeah, I, I think a lot of the same. Uh, I, I think the quarterbacks, I think live game action is so important because, you know, you're, you're not wearing that red jersey. And I think that is everything. Like, you know, in practice, you are not going to get hit. And, I think for Eason in particular, this is big because I, 
I think that he, his, his issue is his pocket presence. And that pocket presence takes a hit when you start getting bodies around you. So I want to see him step up in the face of that and and throw that ball down the field. I mean, he did that in the red zone yesterday. I thought that was a that was a great play. Uh, he he stepped into that, threw that slant for the touchdown. I think that's that's the kind of thing I want to see. You know, can he consistently do that? You know, without that red jersey on, and he's going to get more than a quarter to play. He's probably going to play about a quarter plus. Um, he was potentially going to get the the whole first half. I think until. Ellinger made this more of a competition. Now Ellinger's going to probably get put in there sometime in the second quarter. But we're going to see enough, I think, of Jacob Eason to make some additional assessments. And I think that's good. It's the first time we've ever had a chance to do that. So I'm very excited to see that. And with Ellinger, I think we'll we'll learn a lot too. Because his game, I think, really translates you know, when you're in live action, you know, because now you got to tackle this guy, you know, if he gets out and he gets loose, which I am sure he'll do at some point, right? He's probably going to, he's going to run that ball at some point. You're going to have to tackle him and he might be short, but he's not small. So he's not a guy who <laughs> yeah, easily Yeah, that's a good way down. to put that. Yeah. He's, he's short, but he's, he's definitely a thick guy. Uh, he's a good athlete. He's strong. So he's not afraid to mix it up a little bit. I, I think that'll be interesting. I think he's the kind of guy who does well in the preseason because, you know, no one knows what they're doing. Plays break down. Quarterback yeah. has to make a play. He's the exactly defense is the not game planning for you. I think Ellinger, there's a good chance he'll look good in this kind of sandlot type football. Right. Because even if a play, <clears throat> excuse me, even if a play doesn't go as planned, uh, he'll get off schedule and and make something of it, and at least sal- try to salvage it at least. So you know, we'll see. I think it, uh, I think it'll be very revealing on both quarterbacks, and I'm excited to see it. I mean, there's not, there's typically not much to look forward to in the preseason because, you know, the starters aren't going to play much. But I mean, here we're actually getting a chance to maybe learn something about players that we we're only now beginning. Uh, to see. So I, I think it's going to be further education for us. So looking forward to it. Uh, can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. It's, it's not often I hear you say I'm looking forward to a preseason <laughs> game, but here we are 2021. Here we are. Life comes at you fast. You know? So anyway, that's the recap. Um, 40 minutes of lots of Colts nuggets. And there are a lot of them that we probably didn't even get to. Next week, we'll tell you about Kyler Granson, you know, Kylan Granson, excuse me. Uh, if I can get his name right. So anyway, there's a lot. I, I, these are the players we get questions about, right? And you do too, as well. Yeah, you know, yeah we could talk for two hours, but we got to get to practice. So yeah, exactly. So anyway, uh, thanks for listening, guys. I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Hey, check out Zach's story on Sam Ellinger today. It's not about football, not at all. Um, really about uh, the there's two tragedies really that have, in his life that have shaped him, and and I just think that he. He's the perfect type of guy to have to deal with something like that. You never want to deal with something like that, right? But uh, I think he's just so poised and has so much perspective. And he's just a grown man, I think, you know. Um, I haven't even had a chance to read it yet. But I know just from dealing with him, you know, I can imagine how he confronted those things. Because we've seen enough of him, to, to I think, to to know that. You know what I mean? So... What's also um, telling, and I'll keep this short, is is how the Colts responded. And yeah. you hear about this in different cities. But, you know, I asked Frank Reich, like, why did you guys do all the things you did for this guy who you just drafted? He didn't know super well. And, and this stood out to me. Frank's like, 
because this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, mm-hmm. in, impressive stuff. David Thornton doesn't get a lot of praise behind the scenes. Chris Ballard talked about that. But mm-hmm. um, if you want to find what Sam Ellinger is made of, uh, give this one a read. Yeah. So if you're not a subscriber, that's a great chance to subscribe right there. So, uh, And besides, what are you waiting for? So anyway, th- thanks for listening, guys. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. Uh, and check us out each week. Uh, thanks for listening to 1% Better.